0: of the Randy Pants Show. Show. We hear a story from Aaron at home napping. Chat in studio with Stephen Pateau of Black Rose Radio. Plus more more Arts Bartsy Fun! Hey and welcome to the Randy Pants Show. I'm your host, Randy Lawson. That's Randy with an I.
1: That's how a lady spells it.
0: And I'm here with Kermit the Frog. No, I'm here with Nick McNevich, my mm. co host. Hey, Nick.
1: Hey, Randy. How's it going?
0: Good. Thanks for coming in.
1: It's been a while.
0: I feel like we always say that.
1: Yeah, we Because We're just busy. <laughs> we should just get used to that. Yeah, our schedule. I mean,
0: now. have I, I don't think I've hung out with you since Mike and I took you on our family vacation,
1: <laughs> which was great. <laughs> yeah. Really great.
0: Yeah, that was fun.
1: Mm-hmm. I felt like a part of the family. I yeah. really did.
0: Yeah, we we uh, hung out with our friends Paul and Rosie and their their two year old twins.
1: Was it and Ruby and Sam?
0: Ruby and Sam. Mm-hmm. Way to you bonded with them. I did. Nick's so good. Nick's great with people. Nick's great with kids. We caught a few shots of you pushing the stroller, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: looking like cool dad. Well, I mean, you know, Paul and Rosie were just they're parenting so hard all weekend. Yeah, you know, two two year like, olds. Yeah, right. And full it was like contact. if I can give them a break for ten minutes to just not worry about the kids. Like I'll push the stroller yeah. gladly because that's only 10 minutes out of my life that I'm actually responsible for these kids, yeah. which is great. That's fine.
0: That's so funny. Cause I mean, I love them and love their kids, but I'm totally like, Oh, those aren't my kids. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Fun. Parent away, uh-huh. parent hard, Yep. parent strong.
1: That was a good time for sure. Yeah.
0: And I haven't seen you since then. What else? Oh, you and Mike got up at sunrise and mm-hmm. did a, an awesome photo shoot. Follow both of you at, Mike underscore, underscore Lawson and at Nick McNevich on Instagram to see some of those pics. Yeah,
1: that was a cool shoot. We had a good time out there and it was a beautiful morning, beautiful sunrise.
0: We went to the zoo and it was closing, but we did see a peacock. Mm
1: -hmm. I tried to hug a peacock.
0: You know, we should post on the show's Instagram. There's a picture of Nick stalking the peacock because you, (laughs) as you all know, or you can go back and listen to old episodes. Nick has a thing for peacocks Mm -hmm. ever since he saw the most beautiful peacock. Print at Pier One.
1: (laughs) That's right, print. It was a print. wasn't original.
0: (laughs) And it wasn't like a real peacock. Yeah, but yeah, so that was pretty cool.
1: It's cool to be back in Philly. It's kind of, uh, I've been stressed out lately. Just, I've spread myself too thin. Is this,
0: are you breaking up with us?
1: (laughs) No, no, not at all. I've just been working a lot. And then I took on a side job. You know, I do plumbing, you know, in my, for my day job. And I took on a side job, kind of just helping out a friend. And I've just been spread too thin. And I got, you know, other stuff going on, just trying to—just regular life, you know, mm-hmm. social things. And it's like, I just have no time to And just, photography. Right. You right. Know, mm-hmm. Trying to be on—you know, trying to stay on my grind with that. So it's nice to be up here and just— let it all go for really. A, you feel a like you're hours.
0: letting it go. This feels like work no, to me. No, Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I don't even want to be here. I'm just doing it for the listeners and for you. Mm-hmm. It's really a sacrifice. Well, we
1: appreciate it. Baby. <laughs> Thank you,
0: Jk. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're. In, I'm glad you're happy to be here.
1: Mm-hmm. What's you been know? going on with you?
0: Wait, so I also want to ask you. Did you go skydiving? I did. Was I that did. the first time you've ever done it? No,
1: the second time. Um, the first time I went with my cousin for his birthday. And then this time I went with my sister and my cousin and one of my sister's friends for my sister's 30th birthday, which was back in April. And the first time we tried to go, there were some high winds and the weather just wasn't allowing it. So it's always kind of finicky, it's like a two hour drive. So, you know, before you go down there, you got to call, like,
0: you going to answer that? Quit better jobs than this,
1: what do you want? Is this going on? they're like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, uh, all right. So we went down there. Um, My sister is always someone that gets a little anxious when it comes to stuff like that. And she was just, she just owned it all day long. Not a bit of nerves. She was totally amped to do it. This was her first time doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was probably more nervous than her, and I've done it before. You know, up in the plane where, you know, we're, we're basically like 30 seconds away from jumping out of the plane. I look over and she's like got a smile on her face. just So you're like around. strapped to someone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Basically what happens is they take you up and the person that you're going to be strapped to is sitting behind you. And then when we get about a minute, two minutes from jumping. At the right altitude, he's like, all right. He starts hooking, hooking up to you and checking everything. And then... They ask you whether you want to pull the parachute cord or if you want them to pull the parachute Mm -hmm. cord. I was like, I want to do it. You know, and it's all like, all right, walk over to that little door there. And it's like, okay. So we jump. When you're in free fall, you can't communicate with your voice. It's just too loud. The wind is so, you know, the velocity of the wind is Mm -hmm. just too much. So he gives you some hand signals. And we're going down, and everything seems to be going cool. It's about 30 seconds in. Mm-hmm. And over my shoulder, I see a, like a thumbs up, and a, uh, which I what I thought was the pull the cord signal, which it wasn't. He was just telling me I was doing a great job. At falling? Right, <laughs> <laughs> at falling. So I pulled the fucking cord. Too early. Pl- too early, which is fine. It's okay. We just had a long ride. With the parachutes She was like
0: drifting through space like so...
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he opened up and he was like, dude, that was way too early. I was like, Man, I got my signals mixed up. You know, I was I was nervous. Yeah. Uh, but it was cool. Actually The free fall is great. It's a real rush, but when that thing opens up, it's dead silent up there and you you can just look everywhere. It's amazing. It's a it's it's a totally cool experience.
0: I'd never been skydiving. I've been parasailing, mm-hmm. which I think, I mean, it's not similar in the, the level of... Um, intensity? Intensity, bravery. Doesn't take as much balls, doesn't take the same cojones, <laughs> you know, but it's pretty much like you're f- floating in the it's, air it's for like- an extended time. It's very peaceful and chill.
1: Uh-huh. I would say it's the same type of experience as when the parachute opens. You're yeah. just up there. It's, you're all, you know, you're just up there above the world. Yeah. That's such a cool feeling. That's really cool. Yeah. It was, it was great. Well, uh, what else has been going on with you? What's been going on with
0: me? Yes. What's um, been going on with you? I was briefly engaged to Moby on the internet.
1: Oh yeah. I saw that, which is amazing. <laughs> you sent me a screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> of Moby saying, basically, I'm now engaged to Randy Lawson with the hashtag hairless cats. Right. Okay, did he follow you before this?
0: He just followed me like before that. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where it's like I'm at work, it's toward the end of the day. So I like oh, I'll take a little break for a minute and check my phone, and it's just at replies, hundreds of at replies. You ever something ever happened to you on the internet, and you're just like, I need to. What is the source of this? Mm-hmm. And the at replies are all congratulations. You make a beautiful couple. Mazel tov. Finally found love. Like these incredibly sincere at replies. Not like congratulations. You're on whatever <laughs> best tweets of the week list. This is like fucking for real. Congratulations. And I was like, what? So I trace it back to the source. Mm-hmm. Which I find, should I actually read it? So I, I don't want to misquote yeah. Moby. Yeah. God forbid we misquote Moby. Okay. I don't know how Moby came to follow me. mm mm-hmm. um, But pretty soon after he followed me, it was obvious he'd been looking at my, my tweets and my pictures, which is really cool. Um, so Moby said, attention, Internet. My bacheloring days are over. I hereby announce my official engagement to at Randy Lawson. Live link, you know. Mm-hmm. Thanks. hashtag hairless hashtag cats.
2: That's that's crazy. Now, Why?
0: <laughs> you notice there's no there's no hashtag JK. <laughs> there's no hashtag all fun and games. You know, only kidding. Mm-hmm. No hashtag. I've actually never talked to this person before, so it's f- very flattering. I don't want to be like Moby was hitting on me because I don't know what. I guess I'd say Moby was flirting in a big way. He doesn't know me. We've never messaged. Mm -hmm. He followed me and I saw that he followed me and I was like, oh, sweet. Moby's following me. So I followed him back. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I guess I like Moby. I guess you could say I'm a fan. Like, hmm, I'm going to be politically correct (laughs) about this, mobily correct about this. I have nothing but positive feelings toward Moby, but he has not been in my consciousness for a long time. Right. I don't know if I actually owned any of his albums as much as I liked the songs that I heard on the radio. And I was like, oh, like, those are cool songs. And he seems like a cool dude. Yeah. I remember liking his house on Cribs a lot.
1: (laughs) Oh, He's really minimalist,
0: you Uh know? I was like, oh, and I'm like, I could live there. I
1: do like that. I did like his place. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like, I could live there. And apparently I could. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I guess, you know, people fish on the internet. They throw out lines and see what bites. I guess Moby looked through some of my jokes, looked through some of my pics, saw some hairless cats, saw little old me, and uh, liked what he saw and figured he'd do some uh, online flirting as, as far as I could take it. Now, of course, you know, we had some lighthearted DMs, and I told him I was taken, and he was totally cool about it. Like, you know, there was nothing, he was totally appropriate and nice and funny, and like, he's a comedy fan. He's one of the one of the music celebrities that also embraces Twitter and embraces comedy, which is very cool of mm-hmm. him. So mm-hmm. everybody follow Moby. Yeah, it was definitely a weird thing because so he announced to him, it's like, oh maybe I, I see a cute girl on Twitter, I'll I'll make this like funny fake announcement and then I'll go on tweeting about you know spay and neuter your cats and dogs and and eat vegan please or whatever. But to me, he tweeted that to his 1.3 million.
1: Yeah, followers, insane, yeah.
0: So, and why would his followers not think we're engaged?
1: All right, he never corrected it.
0: He did actually. What do you mean? Two days later, he tweeted again that our he tweeted again and said that our engagement was off. He did. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh shit!
0: I didn't get any messages then saying like sorry to hear it. I guess at that point, maybe people assumed that it was a joke or mm. you know didn't care that much or whatever. Of course, my coworkers were like Googling Moby net worth and all this stuff just to like be like, oh, uh, you know, if you actually, you know,
1: you have some fun with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But of course, you know, that's not what matters to me.
1: What was his net worth?
0: According to the internet,
1: <laughs> which is yeah, very reliable. Source.
0: Well, Moby also you got to think of it as single dude. He's, he's 48. You know, he's really into his minimalist kind of lifestyles. He's has a, a beautiful home, but he's not, you know, I think he's, he's probably made some good investments and he doesn't have, you know, he's a single dude and, he does $30 million.
1: I was going to, I was just going to cut you off. Like, what's he worth, Randy? I know. 30 million? Yeah. That's that's not too bad.
0: But you know, I'm taken, so. uh. (laughs) (laughs) But that was pretty, one of the weirdest things that happened to me on the internet. No, yeah. I mean, like, I don't, I don't mean to let it go to my head, but it was super flattering and super Mm -hmm. sweet. Like he's nice as can be. Totally cool and funny. That's cool. I think we're friends now. Like, I don't think we're gonna be besties necessarily, but he's totally cool to dude. Like, if he comes through Philly, I would love to get to hang out, catch a drink, see him play. Have him
1: on the podcast, maybe. You got it. You got to. You got to use that now. You have to use that line of.
0: It's so weird to be like, so Moby, we're not getting married, <laughs> but
1: Randy, do it for the. You show. You can come on my podcast. You need to do this for the show. Okay. <laughs> Please, I will
0: ask Moby to come on the podcast. Cool. But one of the things about, like, why it would never work out is because I ran it by pretzel. And I was like, pretzel, you're going to have a new daddy. <laughs> but that means no more turkey and no more fish treats.
1: Mm, sure. And she was
0: like, no, we're mm. staying with Mike. And you know what pretzel says goes.
1: Well, I totally so, get I, I get it. Pretzel runs the show.
0: Pretzel sound effect.
1: <laughs>
0: so everybody follow Moby. We have a segment on the show called That's the Story. That's the Story. And we're fortunate enough to be here with Philadelphia's own Erin that's at-home napping, and she is going to share a story with you on the Randy Pant Show.
3: Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Nick. Pleasure to be here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. (laughs) So I used to live in New York, and I was very fortunate that... I got to be in an an amazing city with my parents paying for everything and getting to like just watch what happens, you know, going out late at night and just seeing all of the characters interact, like watching a play, you know, feeling safe. that nothing was happening to me until one of my last nights in New York, it was. A celebration of the end of the school year, you know, the finals were just over. So my friend Lynn, who lives in Astoria, like just the coolest girl, invites me to a party at her house. And this other girl Paula's gonna come. And Paula's like also cool and like doesn't wear a bra. And her dad bought her pop brownies from California, so... I'm hearing about this like on my last day of finals and I had been up all night studying, I only ate a banana for breakfast, took some tests, and then I'm on my way to Astoria for this like little get together. So the menu was whiskey and pot brownies and a bag of Cheetos, which was awesome until like I remembered I hadn't eaten all day and oh my gosh, I am so high. (laughs) And I know I'm high because I do this thing where I just sit down on the couch and I feel like I'm in this movie called Clock Stoppers, where either I'm going really fast or I'm going really slow and just time is not as constant as it used to be. And I'm shaking, like cold shakes, like some sort of drug addict does and I realize I should go home get in bed and just deal with the consequences in the morning. So my friend and I we walked to the train station where I'd never like this is a new neighborhood for me I knew I couldn't get there on my own and he goes one way towards Brooklyn and I'm waiting to go further into Queens like towards Jamaica and then I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm really not sure what time it is but I'm waiting and and I realized that my R-Train is not coming. And then I I see a police officer, and he comes up to me, which was terrifying. And he was like, mister, you lost. And I said, yes, I need to get on the R-Train. And he said, honey, that's not coming. You need to go into Manhattan to get out. So I have to go into Manhattan, and I just get on the first train that comes by because the officer had explained to me, you need to take this train to get to that train to get to this train and then you'll be home. But I'm very high. (laughs) And I'm more worried about just not, just saying okay and getting away. (laughs) So I get on one train and then I figure I've been on this train long enough and I get off. (laughs) And a lot of the stations in New York, if you get off of one train, a different train will come. And it can go one of two ways. I get on another train and I'm shaking. And there's this homeless man walking back and forth, pacing, freaking me out, and saying, it's gonna be one of those nights. It's gonna be one of those nights. Over and over again. And it was gonna be one of those nights. So I get off the train. I think I was in Grand Central Station or on Grand Street, not really sure where I was, but I was waiting for a six train to get me to the E train because that was what I, what I knew from my day-to-day living in Queens. I had found my way to a six train stop, so I just needed to get to where the E was. And I was pretty confident. So I was walking down the stairs and I heard this sound from the back of my ear and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go see what it was. That's what I should do. And I was like, alright gang, let's split up. And I went towards the sound. And I see this man hanging ragdoll, like a yoga pose, over a very large bag of two monster Patron bottles. But he was hanging ragdoll over his own vomit. So I, I figured out what the noise was. And I look over, there's this Asian lady. We just start laughing. And then (laughs) he falls into the subway tracks (laughs) and I start screaming. Uh, All of a sudden, I am looking around. I'm like, how did this happen? There's no one there but me and this Asian lady and I'm screaming. And the subway timer says the next train's in five minutes. And so, not sure how quick five minutes is gonna go by, but this lady and I are screaming for help, and all of a sudden, four men show up out of nowhere and jump into the tracks to like try and maneuver his way out. The man has a huge gash on his forehead, and they cannot get him up. But it's still five minutes to go, but I'm screaming, the next train's in five minutes, the next train's in five minutes. Because five minutes feels like it's going to be in two minutes or in four seconds. I'm not really sure. So the Asian lady and I are looking for a call box. And I'm still screaming and crying. And we're pressing on this button. I'm like, ah! and the asian lady is saying ambulance ambulance and we go back down to see the status of the man sprawled out like he's making a snow angel and a construction worker comes by not a police officer not an ambulance a construction worker, and he's just like, you know, guys like this, they do this all the time, they just want us to take care of them. And I'm high as hell, shaking, crying, wishing someone was taking care of me, and not knowing that all I had to do was jump into the train tracks and someone would find me and take care of me. And I cannot believe that, like, people thought I was his girlfriend or sister, like they thought I knew him. They were like, who is he? Are you going to call someone? And I'm like, the Ghostbusters, I don't know. Like, who are you going to call? And so I see the police coming and I just, I go up a second staircase as they're coming down to get on the other side of the tracks just because I'm, I'm ready to leave. I'm ready. It's too, It's been too much. And so they point at me because, like, I'm the one who saw, I don't know, they just started pointing at me, and then another train comes, and I just get on. (laughs) Somehow, it's four o'clock in the morning, and I'm walking up my, like, up the stairs at my stop, and you think, like, oh, the story's over, like, and there's a man following me. (laughs) not over it's one of those nights and he's calling for me and I start running like I feel like I could almost be Cinderella or like Lo what's her name Lo Jones Lolo or who's the track star like just Flojo and I'm just I'm booking it up a hill I've never run up a hill in my life that was the first time that was the last time it's never happening again And I'm struggling with my keys because I can hear someone following me still. Like, I'm not sure. Never looked back. You can't look back. And I get my key into the door, close it behind me, lock it three times. And my roommate goes, like, she's waking up for work. And she's like, oh, like, how was your night? And I just fell onto the couch. And I was like, I will tell you about this later. It was one of those nights.
2: That's a story. It's the ready
0: Pets show. You moving to Philly?
1: Yeah, I like public I was thinking about this today. I can't wait to fucking not drive. Period. Yes. I can't fucking wait. I was telling Mike on the way up here. Four ninety-five is now back and running. So I was like, cool. I'll just drive up today, whereas usually I take the train up. Mm -hmm. So I cruise past 495. I'm like, man, this is great. As soon as I get into, like, PA, boom, traffic everywhere. I'm like, what the fuck? There's an accident. I'm like, you know what? I'm so fucking over this shit.
0: I hate driving so much. I have to drive to work because I work in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Yeah. They're doing construction on the Bed Franklin Bridge. Oh, joy. Two lanes closed until, like, September something, or maybe even October. I don't know. Damn. I don't pay attention. Back up on the bridge every day. Fucking a. Fucking a.
1: God, like, what is it? What is it about traffic that takes the most peaceful, serene soul and turns them into a fucking asshole immediately? Like, it, it traffic just sitting in your car can turn anyone into a raging fucking maniac.
0: That feeling of being out of control, maybe maybe i get frustrated but i don't have road but that, rage
1: for like i don't think out of control is it because no. there's plenty of situations where I'm, that aren't in my control mm-hmm. uh where i don't have control over something and i'm like that's okay i recognize that mm-hmm. traffic i know i don't have any control over it i recognize that i'm still fucking angry as shit like i don't get angry i don't get angry about much but i fucking get angry and
0: everyone's making self-serving decisions
1: maybe i just there needs to be a way to communicate to other cars on the road like directly like you're a fucking asshole User you just you're not fucking getting in here you need to fucking merge wait your turn the whole thing i need to be able to i need to be able to yell at these people like i need a fucking horn on top of my car that i don't know
0: see i don't i really don't have much rage in me it, that, i definitely don't have road rage mm-hmm. i'm probably that person everyone hates i'm a terrible driver <laughs> I'm and just never do, quite do, paying do, attention. I'm do, 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 do doing I think there's probably like 20 people just like you cursing at me that I'm totally unaware of <laughs> at all times. <laughs> yeah, And pissed they have to share the road with me. And I'm just oblivious listening to a podcast or listening to the golden oldies. Just like, <laughs> yeah. I'll get there when I get there. do Everyone hates me. And yeah, I'm not driver.
1: Maybe it's... <laughs> I think you're a really happy person in general. Yeah. Not like overly happy. You're just, you know, usually in a really good mood, fun to be around. Oh, thanks, man. Um, I think maybe the difference between like you and I on the road is I still like, since I was like, I don't even know when since I was a kid, I like, I stuff like my normal, like my, my, my heady issues down. Mm-hmm. And that's when they come out like on the road <laughs> and they come out like in some way that I'm not even you seem pretty of. happy
0: and you are, you're lovely to be around as well.
1: Thank you. have,
0: have I... I've never driven with you, have I? Nope. I've driven you. Correct. We drove to the beach together. Right. We drove to Sharknado together. I drove and you navigated.
1: Right. No, I haven't I haven't been the driver in in our Had I do Nick? That did alright. Yeah, you did a great job. Thanks. Especially, I mean, especially New York and in like a rush hour morning traffic. That was, you know.
0: We only got lost a little.
1: Nah, it was fine.
0: Have we talked since Sharknado came out? No. Should we update
1: I don't Can know. I'm afraid that? to admit I haven't watched Sharknado 2. I haven't.
0: Well, I already told you you weren't in it.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. So why am I watching? No, I liked I like the first Sharknado just to watch and make fun of it. How like it's supposed to be bad.
0: Right. Well, anyone who listened to our first episode knows that we were extras in it mm-hmm. in Sharknado 2. Yeah. Unfortunately, I did not see you anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm in the background briefly flipping my hair. I posted on Instagram. I'm um, yeah. on at Randy Lawson on Instagram if you want to see it.
1: That was cool, though.
0: Um, but the cool thing is our names are in the credits. Yes. Next to Ian Ziering Eating Pizza. And you're, you exist. Your name is next to that's Ian. That's
1: right. My I, 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 IMDB page is going up Ian, soon. Or you call him Ian
0: to his face, like a <laughs> dick.
1: Oh, uh, whatever. You know what? I pronounce it however the hell I want to pronounce it. It's fine. Yeah. He can call me Neek. That's fine.
0: Yeah. But if, you, <laughs> yeah. if you're going to have a name that's spelled Ian and you want to be called Ian, You better be famous if you want people to call you that.
1: Yes, I agree. I mean, how many times have you seen the name Ian and it was pronounced Ian?
0: Just once that I know of. Right.
1: Just Steve Sanders. So who's the real dick here? Yeah. Steve Sanders. (laughs) We love you. We love you, Ian, Ian.
0: He was perfectly lovely when we met him.
1: He was the nicest dude. Yeah. Really open to everyone. Us measly extras. Yeah. He was really cool. Shook hands with everyone there. Nice guy.
0: So we went from being like, when Sharknado comes out, we're having an opening party. I'm making (laughs) Sharknado cupcakes, blah, blah, blah. And now it's too, it's been a couple weeks. Nick hasn't seen it yet. (laughs) We're just talking about it. We didn't watch it it
1: together. I went to a concert that night. (laughs) I was like, ah, whatever. I didn't even DVR it. I forgot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I meant the latch. I'm really glad I brought you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was a great experience. We had a good time. I
0: know. (laughs) I camped.
1: You camped? That's not, that doesn't seem like your style.
0: I was dragged kicking and screaming. No. Well, camping isn't my style, but what is my style is going with the flow and making the best of things. Mm -hmm. Believe me, I I was not put in any like bad situations. It's just not, I guess I kind of feel like, why would you camp when you could not camp? Stop (laughs) it. (laughs) We went to Lake Fest, which is this really cool festival um, that the band... The Roddies puts on in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. It's this awesome music festival right on a lake. And you can camp there. That's cool. Mike played uh, at this festival. And it has for the last couple of years. And usually we'll go hang out all day, stay like through the evening to the campfire, and then get in the car, drive the 40 minutes home, sleep in our own bed, and wake up. And that seems like a perfectly lovely thing to do. Yeah. But this year we decided to camp and with a group of friends. Mike bought a tent. Nice. Which I took as a bad sign. Because <laughs> you don't just use a tent once. No,
1: nope, that's right. That, that means you're invest- in it to win a it. tent is an investment. He also
0: bought chairs.
1: All right, that's cool. Yeah, that's, well, that's cool. cool
0: too. We could use those, but yeah, like, you know, camping chairs. Yeah. But yeah, I will say this. I had a great weekend. It was really fun. Everyone, like I had, the mu- it was, you know, great music, great food, cool people. I still kind of feel like, why do we camp when well, we could just go home? But... <laughs> <laughs> But it was fun, and if everybody wants to camp, I'm, I'm up for it. I'm sitting here in studio with someone that I've Been wanting on the show for a long time because he's such a fucking interesting dude. Uh, So I am here with Stephen Pateau.
4: Hello, hello. I'm flattered already, Randy. Oh,
0: gosh. Well, strap in because the compliments (laughs) are going to keep on coming. All right. You are a musician. Yes. Musical artist, I would say. Of sorts, I guess. Of sorts. And uh, you're also a professor of psychology. Yes, I am. So let's start with the music. Okay. I first knew you as a musician because mm. you've been recording here at Sign Studios in Philadelphia is where we record the Randy Pan show. When did you start recording here? Do you know what year that was?
4: Oh, I am so bad with time. Honestly, <laughs> That's I, okay. I can't tell you. I think that- 02? Oh, Is it oh nine? Okay. So it's been, it's been at least five years. I, I think, think it's, it's been, way before that. It feels longer definitely because
0: I remember I think it was a New Year's Eve dancing with a friend of the show Katie Barbado you had recorded a track uh, at Sign Studios yeah. and Mike My Boo our producer uh, played it for me and Katie and I remember just breaking it down because you It was like we couldn't stay off our feet because it was just so catchy Ring-a-ling. that we just had to get up and dance And I think that was a New Year's, and like, a New Year's a long time ago.
4: I gotta say, it's stories like that that really drive me to make music in the first place, honestly, because I've never really, until recently, put anything out, even. And I've recorded, I don't even know how many songs here. I mean, we're in the at least maybe 100 now? I don't know. Close to 100, if not over that. But, um... You know, just story, I, and I just burn CDs here, and I maybe burn an extra copy for a friend, give it to a friend, they burn it to a, for a friend, and um, just hearing them say, Oh, I really like that song, or send me an email or a text, or them listening to it in the car, or, you know, the story you just recounted to me is enough inspiration to to make music. Money, 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 I see money
2: every time my phone begins to ring. Count the money, spend the money, no, it ain't I see money every time my phone begins to ring.
0: But that's what, kind of what you were sharing about, you don't necessarily make music to promote it or promote yourself. And that's one of the reasons that I find your music, what I said when I called you an artist, because it really is art for the sake of art. And obviously you share it and you want people to enjoy it, but... It seems like you've been making it because you're driven as an artist and that's amazing because your I'm music is really beautiful. Flattery.
4: I can't okay. I can't take it. No, <laughs> Sorry, seriously, no. It it's in. really I'm cool. It in, Steve. It's no, it's really really cool. I, I mean, honestly, that is that is why I do what I do and I I have to say like even when I listen to the things that I did in 09 here, for example,
2: mm-hmm.
4: it's like looking into a former life because it is kind of like a diary to me. You know, everything that I record is just very I guess Personal. I mean, there are definitely some fun things like tracks that don't really have a ton of meaning. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always try to have something in there that's clever or, you know, significant to my life that I can. There are times when I've gone back and listened to a song and realized that I was experiencing something at that moment that I didn't realize I was experiencing at that time even. And when I listen back to that song now, I'm like, wow, I was feeling that way. And I was like in the thrust Mm -hmm. of it and didn't realize it, but it came out that way. Right. Through my music.
0: It's kind of how sometimes artists go through phases and it's like, uh, was it Picasso's blue period? I think that's the right artist in the right yeah. period. Yeah. But I don't think he set out to make work that was all, I think it naturally, a collection kind of came out of what he was feeling and it became this its own thing. But most artists, when something really comes from within them, they don't set out and be like, no, I'm going into my exactly. depressed session. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah.
4: That, that's very true. and um. For me, sometimes it's uh, it even crosses genres, as your boo will attest <laughs> to. We've done everything from, you know, hip-hop kind of oriented tracks to more, um, for lack of a better genre, I guess, like a uh, urban rock to, uh, like a classic rock to, mm-hmm. you know, the newest album that I'm promoting now. Not really promoting actively that no, actively, well, but you know, you
0: better promote it. You're on yeah. the show. People got yeah, the, exactly. people got their download fingers ready.
4: Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't know how I would categorize this. as like a Euro synth pop kind of album. Yeah, you
0: know? we'll have to. What? Should we go right into that? Should we play a track? Yeah, should we why let not? The, let the people hear some new stuff. Sure. So you are releasing because Stephen Pateau is your real name, and that is the name. name for which you. Teach psychology. That's right. You go under Black Rose Radio as your name for your yourself. Yeah, as a musician. for this project,
4: it's it's Black Rose Radio, and it it's me. Your mm-hmm. husband was a huge, huge part of this group. I mean, he he brought a lot of the ideas that I had to fruition and made you know translated what was in my head, yeah, into into music. So that's what I he does on this him, podcast every yeah, episode. Exactly. Too. So I got to give him kudos for that, um, along with Matt teacher mm-hmm. um uh, mike Newseater. yeah and we just had a great time doing it and uh so it's not just me it's definitely yeah. all of us together as a collective and it took took many years actually to get to this point to to, to find the sound that that we that i think we've captured in this can in you this tell album. us
0: about the song we're gonna hear
4: yeah this one's called coming closer um it's the the debut or the the title track of the album wholehearted um, which you can get on iTunes,
0: Black Rose Radio. Black
4: Rose Radio. Um, yeah, so it's the title track to the album. It was actually an earlier track that we had recorded out of the the collection of songs that are on the record. Um, and I guess I didn't even realize, and this often happens as well, is I didn't realize it at the time how how much I liked it. It had to like I had to settle into it, and you know, I'd, the little test to this as well is that you know we recorded maybe thirty songs before i settled on the ultimate 13 that we that we chose for the album and this was an earlier one so i like this one a lot well let's hear it all right
0: song and I know our listeners did too I'm sure they did get it on iTunes
4: yeah thanks thanks
0: so that's kind of the the field the current album and the first time you you've released the work you've done here at sign but what was the first kind of musical genre you said you touched a lot of different genres was Mm. hip-hop the first one that you started with
4: um actually you know when I was really young I took piano lessons so I was trained classically I never got to the point where Mike got to in terms of ability Piano. So I had classical training with piano. Um, I lost a lot of that. Um, I did sing choir. So that's also another <laughs> thing that's similar to your husband. Um, and, uh, but as far as music, I, you know, I, um, again, my memory is failing me, whether or not it was hip hop or something else. But I do recall getting involved in hip hop early on, like maybe even ninth grade in high school. And uh, I grew up in Northeast Philly. And that was like a really popular thing growing up there at that, mm-hmm. that, that part of my life um so yeah hip-hop was a big thing but i, I always i always kept an open mind with music and they, like cross genres and stuff and i was in a band that was rage like you know before i i think i even knew of rage against the machine there was another group that was out at the time that was like similar to rage that i had listened to and kind of inspired me, Go ahead, study me.
0: When did
4: you start writing original stuff? Oh, that that I did write original stuff back then, yeah. But it was harder until I moved into the suburbs. Believe it or not, but you know the rich kids had more money, so they had musical equipment to, to play in mm-hmm. bands, and there was nothing else to do in the suburbs. Whereas in Northeast Philly, nobody had that kind of cash to buy amps and all the equipment that's required. So I wrote original stuff when I was in Northeast Philly, but couldn't do anything with it, you know. Yeah. And so it wasn't until my parents moved out to Radnor. In the main line, that I met people um, to actually do music, original music. So,
0: how old were you in, in high school?
4: Yeah, I was in uh, I was in tenth grade, the middle of tenth grade. So when I was in Northeast High, there was a student parking lot with maybe one beat up Chevy Nova in there, right, mm-hmm. and it, you know rusted all on the undercarriage and stuff. Going out to Radnor High School, there's a student parking lot that is. More populated than the faculty parking lot with better cars. Oh,
0: I'm sure. You know, <laughs>
4: and that's that's what it was out there. So it was it was totally different than what I was used to. I mean, it was a complete different um, culture, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really was in every respect. But uh, I had a good time. Nice. Good you time. met
0: some obviously some other yeah, mus- I, musical I, kids.
4: I messed around with the like the rugrats of Radnor, not the elitist type of people, you know. So yeah. I associated with those people and um. I just felt they were more salt-of-the-earth, down-to-earth type mm-hmm. of people, and so I got along with them much more readily than I could, some of these.
0: And what uh, year, you started recordings like late 90s, mid
4: 90s? Mid 90s. I, I actually did an album with like my first official band, uh-huh. which I named after my old street in Northeast Philly. We were called Lister, because I lived on Lister Street. Mm-hmm. Um that was the only reason it was called Lister. There was no <laughs> other meaning behind it. I guess just nostalgia for home or whatever. And we we recorded at Creep Records, believe it or not, which is now it okay. it's now in Northern Liberties at the Piazza.
2: Huh.
4: Um, but before, they were kind of nothing, and they were out in Exton, a couple towns down from where I had lived. And uh, it's just so funny to see that they migrated to the city and like mm-hmm. kind of expanded as a label sort yes. of. Yeah. So we recorded there put out cassettes at the time. Mm -hmm. So that was like maybe 94. Yeah.
0: That's cool. I mean, you were doing it. I think it's super accessible for kids to record themselves Mm. now so much more and be able to distribute it, Mm. you know, with just the the click of a button. But there was only a handful of kids that I knew at that time, you know, were close in age, like who were actually making their own music. You know, that Mm. was a special thing to do at that that time period. There were
4: definitely advantages – to doing it back then, too, Mm -hmm. because I feel like, you know, when you're in high school, your social circle is massive. Mm -hmm. It's huge. I mean, granted, now that there's online, you could have...
0: It's the world. It's the world,
4: right? But in terms of sales, we did pretty well for for a high school band. It was, you know, it was fun. Yeah, it was a good time. I look back on that pretty fondly. Yeah. So
0: you evolved, you from hip hop, you said rage kind of stuff, and then just is country the only kind of music you haven't really dabbled in, or have you done that? Too? You know,
4: I would like to actually. After watching True Detective <laughs> and seeing that, you know, the the, uh, the the title song there, I I love that kind of stuff. And I How actually does that song th- go,
0: Mike, you'll play a little clip, right? Can you play the world is a flat circle?
2: Someone once told me time is a flat circle. Of everything we've ever done or will do, we're gonna do over and over and over
4: again, again and again and again forever. But I was thinking of something like that for a project. Mm-hmm. It's kind of stripped-down sound and just raw, you know. And right. He doesn't have necessarily a, a, a country affect affectation to his right. to his voice or anything, but there's something about it that's just there's something country yeah, about it. I like it. I like it. So. Yeah, Something. I don't like I said. I'd we'll be
0: interested I, to hear how that's Yeah, that comes
4: it'd be fun. Out. I mean, I like to assume basically different mm-hmm. personas with everything I do. Yeah. It's just fun that way.
0: So yeah. what are your goals for a Black Rose Radio? Because this is the first time you've you've released any of your music. Yeah.
4: So Yeah. You know it's funny? I I, I don't have any. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, I like I like to hear stories like the one you recounted as far as, you know, someone saying you know we were jamming out the other night mm-hmm. and your song came on and everybody was like who's that yeah that's enough for me that's that's fulfilling you know if you had asked me that earlier on right uh, you know i may have had it, I, I guess my the target is a moving one for me mm-hmm. but now i'm just content it was a life goal that i could check off mm-hmm. you know
0: a part of the reason that that you might feel that way too is because you also are fulfilled with other parts of your life i think there are right. some people who release music and the end goal that they're hoping for is to to do music professionally. And like I said, I don't think you would turn down any opportunity if, people, if an audience found your music and enjoyed you, but we can kind of get to what you do for a living I find really fascinating. I think you and I, the first time, I mean, I had met you a bunch of times before, but I remember having like a long kind of deep conversation with you. I feel like it was at maybe a Christmas party here or something like mm-hmm. that, where you really got into talking to me about... What you study mm-hmm. um, in psychology, and it was completely fascinating. Like I was saying, I only knew you as a musician, so yeah. then I was like, "Oh, there's this—he's interesting on a whole nother level." So maybe one of the reasons, yeah. So you find that really mm-hmm. fulfilling mentally. Mm-hmm. So you're driven by the art, not necessarily by the dollar. Dollars.
2: Oh, well, that's you that's know?
4: definitely true. Yeah, I mean, um, I can't say that I've made money at all, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's a double-edged sword because you know there are people that put everything into their music that's mm-hmm. all their eggs are in that basket and there's something to be said for that too that i truly respect right you know i unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you look at it don't have to do that mm-hmm. right not everything is riding on that but uh fortunately because not everything's riding on that i can do what i want to do right as well you know like you said which is definitely a positive right.
0: to it well i'm like music is talent but academia psychology all of that is talent too and you're pa- you are passionate about that side of your life. So it's not, mm. there's a certain satisfaction that comes from that. How did you, what's your area of, of focus in psychology and what you're teaching now, what you're working on?
4: Sure, yeah. So I'm a I'm a social slash cognitive psychologist. My doctoral studies I completed at Temple University. And uh, I was always drawn to weird stuff. <laughs> you know, so my research was, was stuff that no one, at Temple, including my advisor, had heard of before, right? <laughs> so I went through the whole, you, you, you come up with your dissertation topic in the latter years of, of the graduate curriculum. And between those two time points, between starting the program and coming up with your dissertation topic, you take a number of courses that are like the core courses and whatnot. And I hadn't been exposed to the theory that I ultimately wound up doing my dissertation on. And that's funny story how I came across it. I was just doing my own kind of reading outside of school, And it was an Al Franken book of all places, believe it or not. It was like something lies and the lying liars who tell them or something like that. Weird title like that. And it was on a social psychological theory that I was surprised that I hadn't learned in school called terror management theory. And uh, what that theory entails is it's all about death and our unique awareness of our own mortality, right? So the fact that we are aware of our mortality um, leads to really peculiar defense mechanisms that can be completely unrelated to death. So one of my favorite studies has to do with prostitutes. Um, So what these studies typically entail um, is you prime someone either subliminally or consciously with a delay period and then assess what their defensive reaction will be. Um, You prime them with thoughts of their own mortality, right? So you could subliminally flash something on the screen that'll say death or, Mm -hmm. you know, have them fill out word fragment completion tasks that'll say like, C dash dash, F dash dash, right, and you could you could fill out coffee or coffin, huh, you know.
0: That's interesting, right?
4: So it's supposed to prime these thoughts of death. Let me back backpedal for a second, and to explain the theory is that there are two main defenses that come up. One is in response to our awareness of mortality, we we a try to bolster our self esteem. Right, mm-hmm. try to make us feel better about about ourselves somehow. Whatever your self worth is contingent on, mm-hmm. you inflate that. Yeah. To to counter those thoughts. Of, like retweets. There you That's go. It. Like retweets. <laughs> <That's right>. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I. You know what? That would be an interesting study. I should look at retweeting and 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 whether or not that quells death anxiety. I. It, See that we should do yeah. a study.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm in. Yeah. And so Nick, our, um, co- Nick, our co-host would be in that shit too. Don't worry. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um. But so that's one defense mechanism. The other is what's called a cultural worldview defense where anything related to your worldview, you bolster. And anyone that um, violates your cultural worldview, you unduly, harshly derogate.
0: Oh, wow.
2: So
4: right?
0: That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah.
4: So what? going back to the prostitutes, right? Mm-hmm. What they did was they primed thoughts of death among federal judges. Now, judges are trained to be impartial right and mm-hmm. they're they're supposed to administer punishments equitably across yes. crimes so they prime them with thoughts of death then they present them with these vignettes of prostitutes and say what kind of bail bond do you want to administer mm-hmm. so they had a group of judges that were primed with thoughts of death and then a control group which means that they weren't primed with thoughts of death but they were also administered with the vignettes of the prostitutes and then they compared the groups to see what kind of bail bonds they administered. Okay. So what do you think happened?
0: They punished more harshly if they were thought about their own mortality. That's
4: exactly what happened. So it was on the order of thousands of dollars more that huh. they gave as penalties to these prostitutes because they are cultural worldview defectors. Wow. Right? So they're, yeah. they're violating the cultural worldview. So these judges who are trained to be impartial because mortality salient in their consciousness... Had a harsher penalty. Wow. Than the control group.
0: The poor toots.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> but um, you know, this has implications not just for prostitutes, obviously. Right. I mean, there's there's tons of implications. I mean, you could think about, uh, you know, every war is ideological in nature. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily just. And I don't mean to be, you know, uh, myopic mm-hmm. in in understanding how how war culminates and how it how it you know subsides, but I'm sure mortality salience and cultural worldviews. Mm-hmm. and because if you if you violate a cultural worldview, it also activates death thought accessibility. Huh. It happens in reverse as well. I have a student now that's doing research on um death attitudes among physicians and how that affects end-of life care or decisions in the hospitals and things. So there yeah. are real life practical applications to this as well. It's not just some like, crazy theory, you know? I mean, it is a crazy theory, but, and actually one of the architects is amazing. If you guys, you guys should YouTube, his name is um, Solomon. Solomon, uh, Sheldon Solomon.
0: So let me ask you, does this, how would this theory apply to like, maybe extreme scenarios going on currently? Like what happened or is happening in Ferguson right now? That like, does that, the sort of divisiveness of, of of people taking such extreme sides, you think that does that correspond? To yeah, it? I certainly
4: think that can that can relate. There's other interesting research in social psychology related to everything that's going on, and you know, arguably race wars that are going on across the country seemingly as mm-hmm. of late. Well, it's been going on. Um, one of the one of the theories has to do, and this this was part of my doctoral research as well. I melded kind of two two different seemingly disparate areas of research. Mm -hmm. And one is, uh, aside from terror management theory, is implicit attitudes. So implicit attitudes are the attitudes that we hold that we're not necessarily actively endorsing explicitly. So you wouldn't say you're a racist, for example, right? Mm -hmm. But there are other indicators that would suggest otherwise, Mm -hmm. right? And so one of the ways they test this is through reaction time studies so they'll flash a stimulus on the screen and you'll have to categorize it as black or white a stimulus of a black face or a white face have you heard of this before no so the most famous test is called the iat implicit association test
2: okay
4: so there'll be either a black face or a white face and you'll have to categorize it as left or right on the screen because it'll be Mm -hmm. black and white on opposite ends of the screen and then they switch them and then they have four categories it'll be like black bad white good on opposite sides of the screen, and then they'll switch the good and the bad category. So it'll be black good, white bad. Okay. And then they measure which is quicker for you to categorize: when black and bad and white and good are paired together, or when white huh. and white and bad and black and good are paired together. Right. Yeah. So, and th- that's thought to reflect some type of implicit attitude mm-hmm. as to how you feel how if you can more quickly identify bad when it's paired with black. Right. arguably you are holding these implicit biases against African-Americans, for example. Okay. Right.
0: But implicit, does that kind of express that it's something that you are not purposefully doing? It or- could,
4: it could. So there's a lot of controversy in all these indirect measures of attitudes, but one that I find really interesting is called the weapon identification task, right? So what they do is they'll, I love research that just like kind of subliminally primes you with things like the mortality thing, but they did this also with black or white faces so they'll subliminally prime you with a quick flash of Mm -hmm. a black face or a white face for example and then they'll show another quick flash not subliminal necessarily of something that could either be a weapon or not a weapon
0: okay
4: and if you are subliminally like the
0: candlestick or the lead pipe (laughs) yeah that kind of thing
4: right Or like a knife or a pencil or a gun uh, or whatever. Right.
0: Anything you can find in Clue. Right. Right.
4: (laughs) What they found was if you were subliminally primed with a black face, you're going to be more likely to erroneously identify a weapon when there wasn't one. Huh. Right? So what does that say about, you know, police on the beat that shoot a black, young black male. Right. You know, 20 times because they thought they saw a weapon. Right? Right. When they didn't, um, part of the other problem has to do with the way the police force is now situated. It's totally different than it used to be.
0: Like how? So.
4: Well, back in the day, police were actually from the communities in which they policed.
0: Mm-hmm. So they served their they served friends their own and community. neighbors, exactly.
4: Right. Now it's militarized. It's a militarized. It's a police state. It's different. So you know they don't have a vested interest in the community. It's not the same you know and mm-hmm. one way to counteract that so if we harbor these implicit biases mm-hmm. some of them may actually be personally endorsed but some of them might just be culturally learned it doesn't right. mean you necessarily endorse them right right we're we're inundated with these black stereotypes and white stereotypes it right. doesn't and mean and from
0: just, from media like anything from television to movies to you know your exactly. whatever your racist grandfather exactly. said on the right. on the rocking chair, yeah.
2: So
4: one one study that's pretty funny. What they did was to manipulate the scores on the implicit association task. Mm-hmm. Was they primed them first with positive bat- black exemplars like Michael Jordan and Oprah Winfrey, uh-huh. and they didn't find an implicit bias. Lo and behold,
2: huh? Right, right.
4: So maybe a good remedy is to expose them to different neighborhoods. Like they mm-hmm. shouldn't just be in the same neighborhood constantly because then they just filled with these constant negative impressions mm-hmm. and associations that you know could lead to these types of disastrous consequences that we see now transpiring. Wow. So that's just a sliver a of the shit it. I'm interested in. So Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what are you are you studying something specifically right now like the
4: Uh yeah, so there there's a ton of studies I'm involved in just because um I mentor doctoral students, so I, I oversee a lot of their dissertations, so one being that death anxiety one mm-hmm. I told you about. I have a, another student looking at Islamophobia, how people are phobic of Muslims and mm-hmm. things of like that, and That which is a controversial construct in and of itself. Some people don't think it exists. Some people do. You know, right. um, you know it runs the gamut, depending on the student's interests, but yeah, I try to stay active in all that stuff and inject my own quirky little social psychological spin because I teach in a clinical psych department mm-hmm. um, and most of them are interested in like helping people I'm not interested in helping people <laughs> you know I like how you own that <laughs> I do own that I mean I, I I like to I feel like uh if you can't laugh at human nature mm-hmm. y- you know you' you're just in denial yeah. because we're just we're we're crazy you know and uh-huh. we have and that's so taboo to say working in a in a psychological department you know it's yeah. like it's not right to say, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, we have our own quirks, mm-hmm. you know, and we got to be able to laugh at them. That's just the way I see it. And so I like, I like knocking us down a few pegs. I feel like every great scientist, and I'm not comparing myself to a great scientist, but every great scientist that I admire mm-hmm. and look up to has knocked humans off of their pedestal a mm-hmm. little bit. You know, the Copernican Revolution, Darwin. All, everyone said, you know, you're not as great as you think you are. Like component
0: (laughs) A from, that says people inflate their self-esteem. You know, you have to think that you are right and then special and then someone has to come along and.
4: Yeah, exactly. You know, like originally the, the earth was the center of the universe, you know, man was created by, in the image of whoever, fill in the blank, you know, and and evolution came along and you know there's just so many instances of being knocked off our pedestal and i think ideologies are funny that people like rigidly adhere to honestly
0: yeah
4: did yeah. you grow up with, with religion i did i did um grew up with catholicism and uh i did i did grow up with religion and i i went i went to communion you know i did all that stuff i can't say there's an identifiable moment in my life where i REM'd and lost my religion, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely happened, and uh, I don't blame it on Catholicism per se. I just I blame it on science, I guess. You know, I'm more of a scientist at heart, and uh, yeah, I, I like the new atheist movement that's that's happening. I yeah. really do. Some people think think it's totally obnoxious, like they're a little over the top. Like if like, people
0: preach atheism, it's hypocritical, or that.
4: Like, well, yeah, but you know what? It's not. There's a new survey out, a new research survey, believe it or not, that. Well, first of all, we can't elect a president that will explicitly avow atheism. Uh It won't happen. And the reason is because the attitudes toward atheists in this country are so negative that they're on par with rapists. Really? Swear. Not to God, but I swear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah,
4: I mean, think about it. So there's this movement of like, we got to get out of the closet. And, you know, so I, I kind of agree with that. I mean- I don't like I don't like anything preachy, believe me. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no science can't prove a negative necessarily. You can't disprove right? there's a god. I or, can't, that right. that can never truly happen, but no science negatively proves anything in that in that respect in that mm-hmm. manner, right? But mm-hmm. yet science has proven many things and has shown more evidence than lack of evidence for things. Right. Right? So it's it's all probability. And I err on the side of probability yeah you know oh, so yeah well
0: wow, that's that's fascinating stuff thanks for sharing oh yeah I feel I, like I got smarter talking to you
4: <laughs> I overshare I think sometimes to people and uh this no. is just this is just my thing well, I'm passionate about it and,
0: I asked you to come on and share and you did and yeah, I appreciate it
4: I, I appreciate you having me honestly this was fantastic it's such a cool experience so thank oh, you.
0: you you're welcome so Again, you released your album under uh, the moniker Black Rose Radio. Remind everyone the name of the album, where they can find it, and also where they can find you.
4: Sure. So you can uh, go on to iTunes and look up Black Rose Radio. The title of the album is Wholehearted. Um, It's also available on CD Baby if you don't have iTunes for whatever reason. Um, We're on Twitter at B Rose Radio. Um, You could check out the songs outside of just itunes and in some in their entirety although not all of the songs on the album are on our soundcloud so we are on soundcloud.com forward slash black dash rose dash radio um we're also on bandcamp and reverb nation although more of our songs are on the soundcloud account
0: nice so you got every every way you like to listen to your music you can find it that's right and uh I guess you don't have any like uh, psychology stuff to plug. So
4: actually, we have <laughs> oh, a blog. I yeah? uh, haven't oh, written for it in a little while. Me. Well, yeah, <laughs> we have a blog. Um, it's called Psychology Behind It All. I, I forget the exact, but if you just Google Psychology Behind It All, it should come psychology
0: up. Psychology Behind It All. Yeah. Black Rose Radio Psychology Behind <laughs> It All. Stephen Pateau, thank you so much thank for you, doing Randy. this, for opening up about yeah. your music and your life. Love and, the show by the oh, way too. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's
4: well, awesome. And well. your tweets are hilarious.
0: let's just keep talking now that we've gotten on this subject thank you very much I certainly appreciate that thanks again Uh, peace and love
2: peace and love happiness
0: Do you hate having to clean up after your dog? You want to go out after work, but you have to rush right home because your dog has to do his business. Are you afraid to walk your dog because he barks and fights with other dogs? Have you paid a mountain in vet bills for your dog? Is your dog's breath and gas stinking up your home and ruining your love life? Can't spoon your honey because your dog is taking up the whole bed? It's the weekend, but you've got to get up early in the freezing cold weather and walk your dog. Does your dog obsess over balls, beg for food? Is constant loud barking driving you crazy? Well, it's your lucky day, because we have the thing for you. Cats. They shit in a box by themselves. They're chill. You can leave them alone for days at a time. Very low maintenance. It's what you've been waiting for, cats. And now, from the makers of cats, we bring you kittens, just like cats, Only smaller and cuter, and they'll eventually be cats. Maybe you should try cats. This ad brought to you by Randy Lawson does not necessarily represent the views of Nick McNevich. So, my friend is super drunk, and he doesn't really do Twitter, and he's reading tweets, And it's fucking hilarious, and I am obsessed with Drunk History, and this, maybe this is inspired by Drunk History, but he's agreed to read some tweets to you guys right now. And he has not read these before, and he doesn't know who these people are besides me, so away we go.
5: Try this trick if you drop your phone in water. Get a bag of rice... Leave phone at bottom of river cook dinner with healthy grains at Amy Spiker, a Spiker at a Spiker, a Spiker. I'd have sex with Gordon Ramsey just for the breakfast. He'd make the next morning at social extortion. In my head, I'm Megan Fox. Not the actress, but just a fox named Megan! At home underscore napping. At home napping. At home ampersand napping. At home asterisk hashtag napping. At home napping. At home napping. Asterisk! Looks up at the stars. Asterisks. Do you think my dog's password is my name with a bunch of numbers? At MS Danny Fernandez. Oh, I w- I'm sorry. I got confused with the um, MS Ice Bucket Challenge. At Ms. Danny Fernandez. Shit, my friends just got engaged. I didn't know we were doing that already. My longest relationship is still some gum I swallowed a month ago. At Nick Boss Ross. Kids, your mother and I are getting a puppy. Whoops, I meant a divorce. There was a puppy on TV, so I accidentally said puppy. Sorry about that. At LaserDoove. At LaserDove. The fuck does laser dove mean? At laser dove. At laser dove. Oh no! Facebook is down. Who has the best husband in the world? Is Obama a Muslim? And for crying out loud, which friend's character are you? At Rob Fee. At Rob Fee. At Rob Fee. Big titties. These are your friends, Randy? Do you kiss your mother with that tap-out shirt? Hello! At witty big titties. Oh, no, I've read that wrong. At witty big twitties. Whatever's clever. What's his fucking name? Is it whatever's clever or at witty big twitties? At witty big twitties. I don't even understand this. This makes zero sense to me, but I'm going to read it. Always the girl who has spent the majority of her adult life scrapbooking wolves. Oh, I I think I get it now. Hold on. Let me try that again. Always the girl who has spent the majority of her adult life scrapbooking wolves. Never the bride. At Lisa Bizzle. I still don't get it. I don't understand. If I could have dinner with anyone alive or dead, I would just have two dinner at Prima Awesome. TBS canceled CeeLo's show. Good thing he's not in the NFL. Then he might have been sent to bed with no dessert. At Randy Lawson. Oh, this is the one I like the most. No, this is the second best one. Hey, girl. Are you my private data? Because you're hella insecure. At Randy Lawson. So disappointed that Hello Kitty registered trademark isn't a cat. This must be how Snoop Dogg felt when he met Emily Blunt. At Randy Lawson.
0: So, sports... Sports talk. talk about sports.
1: Talk about some goddamn sports. <laughs> Football's coming up.
0: Oh, about yeah, A week yeah. or two. Oh, can't wait.
1: America's—that's really America's pastime now. I would say.
0: Yeah.
1: Favorite sport. Yeah. Do you have any like? Uh, are you an Eagles fan? Do you have any like certain players that you're like crushing on or?
0: Currently, I'm a huge fan of every single player on the Atlanta Falcons because I watched Hard Knocks
1: oh, on yeah. HBO. That's a great show.
0: And I don't know much about football, and I don't follow it that much, but it, they're doing behind the scenes of the Atlanta Falcons. And all it takes, I mean, I'm a sucker for reality TV and human drama. So now I'm just a huge fan of the Falcons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're all I care about, and I love everyone on that team and care very much for all of them. I know all their stories. Anyone who they show their backstory, anyone whose family or whose mom they showed, thats I'm only going to root for them. Mm-hmm. So that's all it takes. Yeah. I just need a little backstory. You
1: just got to know them a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go Falcons. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now you're a Falcons fan. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's all. Yeah.
1: That's a really good show. HBO does a great job with that.
0: Yeah. It's oh. uh, so good. I mean, human the drama behind it. Mm-hmm. I actually have a new respect for football watching it. Yeah. I still don't understand football. Let me, let me clarify. I understand I can follow the game, but the minutia of the details of the rules and the, the strategy, no. Mm-hmm. No, I don't understand that. I respect that. And... Football also means that it's fall or winter. And fuck fall and winter, I like warm weather. So I also hate football It's just a sign of the times. It means that it's cold and shitty out.
1: I love it. I fucking love it.
0: Good for you. <laughs> are, you are you an Eagles fan?
1: No, I'm a Giants fan.
0: You're a Giants fan.
1: I, I like the Phillies, the Flyers, the Sixers. Mm-hmm. All Philly teams, but I like the New York Giants. Yeah. Fuck the Eagles. Uh,
0: Why fuck the Eagles?
1: Well, when I was a young boy, I have family in Morris Plains, New Jersey. My Uncle Tony, who used to mm-hmm. play football, actually played football for Notre Dame way oh, wow. back in his day. Oh, wow,
0: like Louisiana. Rudy. Yeah. See, I care about Notre Dame because of Rudy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, he took me to a Giants game and bought me a little film finger. Nice. Little little jacket, and ever since then I was that's like, "That's a good reason." I'm a Giants fan. It was it was cool. It was a cool experience, but as I was never like an Eagle hater, but mm-hmm. as you, I live in North Wilmington, and I grew up in in Wilmington, and that's Eagles fans territory. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just 30 minutes south of Philly. All of my friends are Eagles fans. So, oh, the the bitterness towards. The Eagles grew over the years, you know, yeah. watching watching games yeah. with all my buddies and friends, and
0: it's fun to kind of root against yeah, the crowd,
1: absolutely. And we, we always have a good time with it. So, you know, it, there was a long period of time there where I rooted for, you know, we just completely fucking hate the Eagles. I hate them; they suck, blah blah blah, with no reason. Now I'm more of a, a football fan in general, and I respect the Eagles. I respect the organization. Um, I still hate them, but. <laughs> You know, I can actually respect them without saying douchey, typical, they suck comments. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
1: I, like this year coming up, I'm fucking scared of the Eagles. As a Giants fan, the Eagles are going to be fucking good, and I hate that. That kind of goes back to what you were saying about hard knocks. You get to see this side of football players that is, they are, I mean, athletes. The definition of the word athlete. Mm-hmm. It's th- Their whole life revolves around training their bodies for this brutal sport. Mm-hmm. You know, Like and,
0: you at the hot dog challenge.
1: Correct correct <laughs> but it's that's what i like about hard knocks it gives you all that behind the scenes stuff those little interactions between player and coach or player and other players the, mm-hmm. the, all those little things that you don't get to see on a television broadcast all i, I love seeing that behind the scenes stuff
0: so this has been an awesome episode been great thank you to our guests thank you for listening
1: yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in.
0: Right. We have a lot of fun making the show. It's just create great creative outlet, and we really appreciate you listening. Get at us. Right. Interact. How can we get our, our listeners to interact with us? Last time I told them to pick their nose in traffic and wipe their boogers while they're listening to us in their car.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If you're listening to us in your car, I want you to blow a kiss at the next driver that walks by. <laughs> that drives by. Sorry. That's how you're interacting with us. And, yeah. If you're at the gym listening to this, what can I do? I that's sure. why I told them to slap their asses.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a no. lot like of sexual harassment. No.
0: The way that you should interact is to tweet us at Randy Pants Show on Twitter or me at Randy Lawson. That's Randy with an I.
1: That is how a lady spells it.
0: Or at Social Extortion. That's Nick or either of us on Instagram or the show on Instagram, and we will get back at you. We really do appreciate you listening. Mm,
1: we, like it. we like when you guys interact with us on social media.
0: Yeah. So, peace and love. Fame. <laughs> Donzo.
2: <laughs>